on maynard.com.au AU AU In an overcrowded world of fashion choice, off the top of my head I can think of Black Milk, what Katie did, Kitten D'Amore, Le Col de Femme, um, if some old Mambo stuff secondhand, even what I wore last year, you could go there, but... Wheels and Doll Baby's always been a bit special. Across the road there in Sydney at the time, opposite Route 66, dressing people such as Deborah Harry, Dita Von T, Scarlett Johansson, Kate Moss, Jerry Hall. Please make welcome the grungenista, always fashion forward herself, Melanie Greensmith. Hello. Oh, hello. That was a nice introduction. You deserved a great introduction because we thought you were gone. 87, you set up there in Hay Street in Perth. You brought the whole thing to Sydney and then off you went in 2017, but you're back. I know, I'm back. Well, I needed a break. I thought I I deserved a holiday after 30 years. A lot of people in retail would have thought they needed a break and just gone away because retail is tough. Yeah, but we're not retail. We're vibe. We're hanging out. You've been making stuff. I like the fur coats you've been putting out. Pretty glam, aren't they? They're very the colours you come up with them too, the Elizabeth Taylor eyes one, that's a nice name for a colour. Oh, yeah. Well, lilac. Her eyes were supposedly lilac. I've always thought that's amazing. Why did you decide to get into selling fashion? People could love you this week and hate you next week. To be in it as long as you were in it and people never went, oh, that's just so done. How did you manage that from 87 onwards? Oh, gosh. I don't know. I mean, it really all just came from a scene, you know, an organic scene that was happening in Surrey Hills when I went to live there. It was myself and all my friends. I just wanted to make stuff for band members and my friends, which is what I started doing. And then people liked it and I thought, well, shit, I'm not really qualified to do anything. I can't get a job. And so I started the tiny shop. Well, the first one was in Perth and I used to have the Johnnies come in. Damned. I break my heart to peace. My you are my life, so my Everyone that came to Perth came there, and it was just a little office upstairs in Hay Street. So I thought, wow, I think I'm going to go to the big smoke. I'm going to go to Sydney. So I went there, and we all lived in this huge artist kind of house on Cleveland Street. Tex Perkins lived there. Stu Spasm, myself, Brett Ford, who's no longer with us. It was pretty crazy. I was like the straight nana in all of them. You were the straight nana? Compared to those guys, yeah. (laughs) That's true. And Tex did what you told him to do. That's amazing. No, I don't know about that. I remember uh, they were actually a bit older than me. Tex wasn't, but all, all the rest of the guys were. I guess I kind of learned a lot about music and arts from them. And it was a great scene then. You know, we all used to go to the trade union club and all those old pubs. It was grungy. You know, it's funny when I look at Surrey Hills now, I think, oh, my God, 
It's so true, bourgeois. You even had an office there in Crown Street, and when you left Sydney, you must have sold it. You could have bought the whole of the Northern Territory with the amount of money you would have got for that, the way prices went up in Sydney. It's insane. (laughs) I had a flat there as well. So what we used to do was live above the office, you know, and just walk down every day, which was great fun. But that was later on. In the beginning, it was no money. It was living out the back of the shop. Sydney was pretty straight when I got there fashion wise you know everyone was wearing Dr Martin shoes Levi's and a white Hanes t-shirt and I just got back from London and I was just like whoa you know this is so straight and boring. There would have been a lot of shoulder pads going on at that time too. Yeah and so when I opened my little store people had never seen stuff here like that cowboy boots with spider webs on them and rubber dresses I had no money, so I bought these big Elvis towels and put them all around the top of the store just to get the the fit out, as they say now. And I collaborated a lot with a lot of the artists in those days, which was great fun. A guy called Stuart Spasm from Lubricated Goat. I don't know if you've heard of him. Oh, yeah. Everybody has seen them naked on, I think it was blah, 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 performing naked on blah. That was a top track. (laughs) Exactly. And you take off your clothes And you trip on the floor And roar. Roar. And roar. They were the guys that I live with. Stuart was a fantastic artist. I said to him one day, Oh, Stuart, I want a logo. Could you draw me something? And so we were sitting there and he said, Well, what do you want it to be like? And I said, Well, as I love Rose Tattoo, I kind of want it to be tattooy. He drew the logo. And that was in about 1985, I think. When did the first overseas visiting rock artists suddenly want to wear your stuff? Did you approach them? How did that happen? Well, they used to come to the store. And I was very lucky in the fact that before all of the nasty stuff with Michael Jackson, he was the biggest star in the world. And he was driving up Crown Street to get it from the airport, which they all did in those days. And he came in. And he was probably driving himself too. He'd probably just hired like a Ford Focus and was driving that up Crown Street, you know, bipping the horn, waving at people. <laughs> He'd had a few security with him. I remember that. He bought a jacket. They all followed from that. That was a big thing. So I put it out to the public on my Facebook page and my Twitter page. I was going to be having a chat to you and lots of great questions came in. Oh, okay. They want to know who has been your most favourite celebrity to dress and been the most fun. I would guess it might be Dieter, but there might be other ones. And of course, people want to know who is the most difficult one as well. The most fun one and big thing for me was Bob Dylan. His bum would have a lot of trouble in some of your dresses. (laughs) No, no, no. I was doing lots of really cool leather and suede pants and I was doing jackets for guys, shirts. He came in. I actually thought he was a bum when he came in because he was kind of disguised and it was late at night and I thought, oh, God, no. Anyway, and then as I looked closer, it was Bob Dylan. (laughs) It's Bob Dylan. Wow. Great to see him. Hope he doesn't sing any songs from that Christian album. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. But still, great to see him. I know. So he was amazing and so much fun and stayed for 
hours, signed my guitar that I later sold, which I wish I bloody didn't because apparently he never signs anything for anyone. So he was fantastic. So, but um, the most I don't, you know, I might have caught her on a bad day. Shall we use the word, she might have been fishnickety. That's a good word. Yeah, that's a good word. Anyway, this person was fishnickety because perhaps they were on a fishnickety day. Yes. Well, that was pink. Wow, really? Busy schedule. Uh, well, I don't know. She, Mark and I were invited to go and meet her. I took her big bags of clothes and I was super excited. She'd even covered I Touched Myself. So, you know, I thought, well, that's cool. And uh, not a word. <laughs> she just stood there and it was so awkward. And here's a lovely bag of free stuff from my label. And then nothing. Wow, that is a bit odd. Yeah. You would at least politely accept it. Yeah, she was hard work. That stands out in my mind. The other one that is a bit difficult but great is Courtney Love. Depending on the day, I guess, with that one. I think so. <laughs> Yeah. How come you've kept coming back with Dita Von Teese collaborations, particularly with a jumper too? Because I think of her, I think of her leather gear, her glamour gear. I don't always think of a nice cardigan. How is it that you know so much about burlesque? <laughs> <laughs> it's just obsession. Ever since I was little, I love the idea of when I was a teenager, I didn't have role models of beauty that I thought I could relate to. That was the era of the supermodel and the Victoria's Secret model, and I could never really achieve that. So I looked to the 1940s and 50s and that kind of glamour, which I realized I could create. Yeah, I know, but it really works because I met her with Marilyn Manson in London, but I can't remember the year. God, it was a long time ago, maybe 15 years ago. I met her, we were staying at the same hotel, and I said, oh, why don't we collaborate? And she was a big star. She was just heading off. She said, oh, sure, okay. So we did. And I thought, what a great idea to do like a 50s-style sweater girl cardigan for her. And we did, and the rest is history. We've done 27 colours now together, and we became friends. It's fun, and we did a box, and it comes in the box, and the girls collect them. Some of them, I see them on eBay, and the money they go for, I'm like, oh, my God. The second-hand market for Will's Melbourne. So this is a company that was overseas that a ton of you guys told me about. It is called Wheels and Doll Baby, and they are in Australia. This is my absolute favorite, the Dita cardigan. The buttons are actually black velvet. This thing is amazing, and this little bow is also velvet. I got it in pink because I think it's the cutest. They're like Barbie dolls. Kids used to collect all the Barbie dolls. Did you like her brunette friend that would come to visit? Oh. I saw some 1960s Barbie dolls when I was in Melbourne and all the things you could get for them. Oh. You have used some of the models you used to use back in the uh, the 2010s. In fact, behind me now, I'm actually looking at the Australian Fashion Week Wills and Doll Baby Parade 2009 in Sydney with the rock and roll band playing above, probably Mark in the band, I suspect. I think it was Mark and 
Roddy Radar. On fashion TV, you're back-to-back with a, a Morrissey, an Emerson or something like that, and very different type of parade, very different look. Well, you know, I find all those shows dreadfully boring. Unless you're looking at one of the couture houses from France and they do that incredibly well. I just think they're boring. I like to have the music with it because it's more of a show. It's more exciting. It's kind of obvious, isn't it? Do you think some labels are worried about linking themselves too closely with music because it can go out of fashion really quickly too? Maybe. Have the Rolling Stones gone out of fashion? Not really. They can get as old as they like and they'll still pull a crowd. Well, because they're fantastic. Where did you sit within the industry? Because you've got a very distinct, I look, think, oh, that's a Wills and Doll Baby thing. It's never been met with meh. The best present. Wills and Doll Baby dresses, great present. We didn't really sit within the, the Australian fashion industry, you know. It wasn't really, I mean, we did on and off. We, be, we were chic one time, then we weren't, and then we might be again. It doesn't really bother me because... That wasn't really what I was striving for. That's why I thought you might have got a bit of resentment because you were apart from them and you were able to continue on year after year and do your stuff. I don't know, maybe. We went to London in 2008. We just killed it, absolutely killed it. It felt great that we hadn't had to take the the normal path. What do you think is your favourite piece you've ever sold or made? I loved all the emerald stuff there, the years you had the emerald lace. That was great. Oh, God. Which is your favourite piece? I remember I had a buyer in from David Jones and she was just shopping and she said, do you know what? We spend thousands on marketing and trying to work out how to keep a man in a department store, especially in the woman's department, right? They hate it. They leave and therefore we can't sell lots to the girls. And she said to me, your store, every time I come in, is packed with men. (laughs) You had fantastic staff, really talented staff, really good salespeople, and it was like if you're going along with a date, they can try on the outfits and walk around in front of you and see and everyone can see what they like them and you've got more chance of selling it and it's more like a show. It's an event. You're going somewhere. I know. Although one of my friends did say to me once, he said, Mel, your shop looks more like a bordello every time I come in. I said, oh, okay. Well, that's a compliment. (laughs) Excuse me, a high-class bordello. Exactly. Oh, it was so much fun. You get more than a dozen people in there, it would be really crowded. And even like a little accessories that you were selling near the the counter, that was a really good idea too because someone would pick something up on the way out even if they couldn't afford an outfit. David Jones could do that. If if it wasn't just an open floor plan, maybe they could actually do something like that. (laughs) I guess it had a feel to it. People used to say that it had a, a great feel. And I think that is partly because it was organic and Everyone did go there. It was a hangout. We used to hang out out the back. I mean, I got to London and they had heard stories that we all smoked in the store. They were like, oh, my God. And all these other sort of things that were supposedly going on there, they weren't. You know, it was notorious. That's the kind of reputation you want? I guess so. It precedes you and people go, oh, well, I won't ask her about that. Did you see it? Oh, obviously she was doing that. But I was the one never doing any of it. It was everyone around me. I used to say to people, do you think I could get up every day, do this, and be partying 
like you're saying. There's just no way. So I saw a few of the Wheels and Doll Baby crew at the Stray Cats at the Enmore one year. Oh, yeah, yeah. They certainly made themselves stand out. They, yeah, they're having a great time. That season, that was the uh, the leopard print that year. Oh, well, that's perfect with the Stray Cats. They used to come in a lot and Brian, the singer, Brian Setzer, who I love, oh, my God, what a guitar player. Brian, he's a babe. He had our logo tattooed on his arm and then he came back in and showed me. I was like, whoa, that's pretty cool. David Jones can't buy that. Exactly. Because the name, Wills and Doll Baby, just tells where it came from because even I didn't know this. Ah, Maynard, you should know this. I knew. I I didn't link the rock and roll thing and the iconic 60s sitcom spy comedy together. Uh, I know, I know. So everyone, when I tell them, they go, oh, they would never have thought of it. But it was Get Smart. And it was Max and 99 were Wheels and Doll Baby and they were beatnik and super cool and I think Stuart and I were watching it and I think we kind of came up with that, Stu Spasm. Well, you can just call me Wheels. Neon Kitten is doll, baby. That was where we got it. You could have been watching the Groovy Guru episode with Larry Storch as the Groovy Guru and the Sacred Cows. You could have been the Sacred Cow label there. Oh, yeah. Sacred Cows. Of course. The sacred cows. Of course it's the sacred cows. It has to be the sacred cows. Who else could it be but the sacred cows? One question, 99. What's that, Max? Who are the sacred cows? They're the hottest rock and roll group in the country, Max. Of course, the sacred cows. (laughs) A question that came in, Miss DeBlu, she wrote uh, via Facebook, the Buffy and the Vampire Slayer collection, Sarah Geller, were wearing as Buffy in the show. How did that happen? Was someone here and they thought, that's the look we want for Buffy? I never met any of those people, so I think they just bought it because I didn't know. What's really funny is that Mark did the theme track for Buffy. That's Power Guitar. I think it was Ain't Gonna Eat Out My Power Guitar, the Macca. He didn't have anything to do with, with the musical episodes, did he? There was a couple of musical episodes that were pretty funny. Oh, no, he doesn't do musicals. Far too rock. Any self-respecting man who's in a rock band, sound no, sorry, Sound of Music, what? Sorry, no, I don't do musicals. <laughs> what about Simon Day? I collaborated with him. Simon Day, you gave him yet more black jumpers to wear? What, you taught him how to draw a cat? What, what, what was your input? <laughs> No, I met him really early. I mean, we were young, 19 or something like that. And he was like the hottest boy, you know. All the girls wanted him and whatnot, as everyone probably knows. And he's really good at looking like he doesn't know that everybody wants him too. He's very good at that. He could get a job at not looking like he knows he's as popular as he is. He's good at that. (laughs) Well, that's all the more charming, isn't it? Yes. And so he used to come in because he was in a band with my friend who was in a band called the Kryptonics. And then I said, hey, Simon, would you draw me? 
because he's a great artist. I said, can you draw me ribbons and lipsticks and logos? And he did. And it became our paper, our tissue paper that we still use to this day. That was Simon. Very clever. I don't know if I got the answer out of you, but your favourite piece that you've ever designed or sold, what, what is it? Oh. The, all the collections, all the things. I've always been a fan of the simple oh. elegance of the trench coats that you sell. have got the great lining and they come in lots of great colours. Oh, Maynard. It's got the spy motif going on. <laughs> Oh, you just think the girl's got nothing on under it. But at least you've got the satin lining so there's no scratchy bits. <laughs> True. What I really love the most, I mean, my whole thing is I love to make girls feel super sexy, confident, movie starish, And I think the fur coats do that all in one. I kind of love fur coat. And you can dress them up, dress them down. Yeah, my cat sleeps on mine. There's all kinds of uses. But any chick puts on some really cool sunglasses and a fur coat and it's movie star, isn't it? Yeah, you think she's either come from somewhere exotic or she's on her way to somewhere that you aren't allowed to go. Exactly. So I, I love those. I really love the bejeweled little play suits. Like something Dita would wear. They're real showgirl. Have you got any upcoming celebrity collaborations you can uh, spill the beans on at the moment? Oh, uh, well, I can't say because then, you know. <laughs> do you think you would actually open a physical shop again or not? Do you think things are just a bit too turmoilic in too much turmoil to do that? I will, but I'll only do a pop-up because I really miss that whole talking with everybody, the customers. And, I mean, it was such a great social thing, my shop. I used to love going to work. But the feedback from the customers often go, hey, I, yeah, I should do this. I hadn't thought of that, but I'll do this bit or I'll make that bit shorter or that, that collar winged or whatever. That happened? Oh, yeah, because you're getting direct feedback. So I would do a shop and I love doing shop windows I used to be just treacherous. These poor girls under me that would help me do windows, I'd drive them mad. No, move that. It's not right. Change an inch to the left because i that was our window to the world. But in the end, they all used to say to me, Mel, you taught me properly how to do beautiful windows. The Wheels and Doll Baby Crown Street store, you just walked past it at night and the simple neon and the lights reflecting inside of it. It was a photo opportunity. It was a selfie shot before there were selfie shots. So that's good. My first little shop got robbed so many times and cars used to just drive in. Hence all the iron bars. I know. And I'd be like, oh, my God. Oh, it was terrible in those days. And it really hit me, you know, because I didn't have much money. and They'd just ram it, take all the leather jackets, and it would be like, oh, God, okay. I mean, it must have happened four or five times. In the end, I got Rottweilers. Well, that'll stop them because then if they get out of the car, they're going to have their face bitten. I know, but can you imagine? There I was. I was like 20 or 21 just with holy. It wasn't all glamour, let me tell you. You've got some sewing to do, overlocking, that sort of thing. Uh, I don't know that I sew. <laughs> Shh. She's got a lot of sewing to do. She's very busy. What would be the Wheels and Doll Baby song? If there's a song that uh, encapsulates the label, the way you feel, the way it inspires you. Oh, well, it's the song that Mark wrote. Ting, ting, it's Wheels and Doll Baby. And it's just a really great rock and roll, fun song that he wrote about the brand. And he wrote it with a guy from the Sleepy Jackson, a guy called Jay. 
and they recorded it for me. So I was so chuffed. Thank you, Melanie. And I'm looking forward to that pop-up shop if you'll let me in. Oh, definitely. I'm an idiot on maynard.com.au. AU! Bryson and Hume. Everything digital.